Face for Radio is available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at our website, echoplexmedia.com, where you can find links to all the sources and music used in this program. While you're there, you can check out our other great shows, Local Love and The Plex, and make sure to click the support tab to find out all the ways you can support Echoplex Media. And now, on with the nerdgasms. Uh, it's 10 o'clock. All right. Happy 10 o'clock, everybody. The, it's time for the nerding, everybody. It's time for the nerding, everybody. It's 10 o'clock. So Huzzah. you know what that means? Nerds? Nerds. Nerds. Mike. It means somebody. Nerds. I want you on that mic. Don't leave that fucking mic. Pretend it is an appendage attached to your favorite man. <laughs> no. <laughs> play, the, play the clip. If that's a thing. You're on camera, a strange dick pops through a hole, and you suck it. Holy I, Lord. <laughs> but, you know what, but you know what time it is, right? Fuck off. It's, oh, yes, it's that time. It's Sorry. time for somebody... To call a doctor? To call the doctor. I think it is time for somebody to call a doctor, but let's do a little roll call. Sitting in front of me, cruising into the studio tonight on her skateboard is... Sarah Monster. Oh, my Lord. And always, there is a crazy axe-wielding woman in the house, and her name is... The Lady Viking. And this heteronormative <laughs> gentleman sitting next to me is... No. <laughs> <laughs> the heteronormative hetero life mate of motherfucking Harrison, Randall Aubrey. Thank you for joining us this evening. Will you bump me? I mean, in the fist? <laughs> <laughs> Wonder twin powers activate. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, wait. Ching. Form of butt sex. Form of butt sex. And this is that fucking guy who always tells you to fuck yourself or eat a dick or go, I don't know, copulate in some like weird, awkward fashion with yourself. Because I officially now am never, ever going to introduce myself by name. It's just my thing. You mean like... Never mind. <laughs> yes, whatever that was. I'm not sure what that what was, was, but was you know that? what? I have no idea, but it sounded like... Um, chair. It's squeaky chair, but there are no squeaky chairs. Did you squeak a chair? Yes, you squeak. Uh, must have been me. Oh, it. <clears throat> can you say that on the mic, please? Must have been me. Oh, it must have been me. I'm sorry. It was me. <laughs> oh, was it? If anybody saw Swiss Army Man, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> marvelous. <laughs> Fucking marvelous. It was me. And this is Cat Robe Show, and somebody call the doctor, the official theme song for Face for Radio. We're doing the thing now, so pay attention. It's an emergency. So before, we, <laughs> so before we get going too much further, I want to give a couple of quick housekeeping reminders. Um, well, not so much reminders, but some announcements. Um, we've got a couple of big, exciting things happening coming up here in 
uh, from the month of October and beyond. First of all, I am proud to announce that finally... Randall found his penis. After long last, <laughs> I not only found my penis, which was a golden moan for me, let me tell you, but that starting on October 6th with our next episode, Facebook Radio will officially become a weekly program as opposed to a bi-monthly program. That's right, folks. We're going to be coming live to your face holes every Thursday. No longer at 9 p.m. Pacific, but at 7 p.m. Pacific. Yes, we are shifting our time slot back mm. in order to better serve the needs of our listening uh, public on the East Coast. Well, and As we have done with the Plex to very great success so far. So, yes, starting next week, we will, or in two weeks, we will be live weekly from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific, only at EchoPlexMedia.com. So it means we're going to be wrapping up the show about now instead of well, blast. starting the show. Right. I know. This gives me the sad oh, face. Because you're going to be rolling in for like the tail end of the show from now Bummer. on. Unless you can change your schedule around. We'll see. Yeah. You can just become our remote correspondent. We will send you on nerdy missions to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> and you will talk to them about nerdy things with a microphone in hand. You can be our intrepid investigative nerd reporter. You already have a great location. You will be our geek on the spot. At the geek bookstore. on the spot. Geek on the spot with Sarah Monster. Fucking, I got this. Uh. No, we will. It will be amazing. Well, we believe me. We will. We will use you. We have decided that, um, you know, there's more than a few shakeups have been needed around here in the Face for Radio camp. And so we are proud to announce that we have taken on an official co-conspirator to our little Face for Radio tribe in the form of none other than the lovely lady sitting across from me, the one, the only, the Luna Viking. Yes. Yay! You got Odin on your sides now, bitches. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. We have the power of lightning. Yes. It's long overdue. We really need to address the clam in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because Randall, as much as you are very womanly, you just don't got no clam. (laughs) Have you seen these titties, though? (laughs) Titties don't count. Oh, but everybody's got titties. Oh, yeah, I know. I I have little ones. (laughs) (laughs) They're adorable. Size matters. (laughs) Size matters not. (laughs) <laughs> Judge me by my size, will you? <laughs> Judge me by my size, will you? <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this Yoda story. Can we get to the Star Wars now? Yeah, yeah you know, let's let's Good jump transition in. Transition there. Let's jump in. That was great. Oh man, it was so much fun. I love you guys. <laughs> All right. So as we always do with the show, we start with Star Wars. The Star Wars comic, you know, under the Marvel banner, is releasing um, the history of Yoda. Now, this comic has done a lot already by uh, showcasing several uh, stories that are now a part of the canon. Um, they're talking about Obi-Wan, um, you know, some of his later years. They did a story about Boba Fett um, as he singles out the one person who um, stole the Death Star plans. And now they're going to do the backstory on Yoda. And I don't know. I'm I'm kind of interested in this because, well, not only because we're going to get backstory um, on Yoda, but it's also being um, penned, and by uh, by pen I mean the artist who did the uh, the Darth Vader series uh, mm-hmm. last year. Those are under gorgeous, Marvel, and they're beautiful. Too. Yeah, when I was doing a little research on this one, I went and looked up a bunch of the issues, and holy fuck, is that comic gorgeous? Yes, it was. It was illustrated beautifully, and uh, the guy who's writing it, <clears throat> he's been writing the current Star Wars series. Now, this is going to be. Uh, Star Wars issue number 26 in the current run that they're doing. Uh, slated for a December release, uh, apparently. The writer's name is Jason Aaron. He's been doing a bunch of work on Thor and on Doctor Strange. 
And the uh, the artist is uh, Salvador La Roca. Yeah, he did start. Uh, he did the Darth Vader series, and then he's also done a bunch of work for the Avengers as well. And his Avengers work is outstanding. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, yeah, this one looks this one looks really cool. the The way that they're doing the story is fun because he's been Jason uh, Jason Aaron has been writing this from this perspective where Luke is traveling at a point, and he's after I believe it's after Obi Wan. It's after Obi Wan has died in A New Hope. But he's managed to obtain a copy of Obi-Wan Kenobi's his journal. And so as he's traveling, he's reading Obi-Wan's Kenobi's journal, and he's been reading the backstories on a bunch of different significant characters from the Star Wars canon that are sort of second tier that you don't really hear much about. He's finally getting into a section where he's going to be reading about Yoda. But the cool part is that when he's reading about Yoda, he's not going to know that he's actually reading about Yoda. So he's reading about a character who's he's he's not a, he's not aware that it's this person. I believe it's before he meets Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is how they're sense. setting this up. So it's going to be before he meets Yoda. He's going to read about him in Obi Wan Kenobi's diary. Because it would make sense then if if uh, by the sound of it, this takes place in between the gap between um, Star Wars and Empire, which is canonically uh, three years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, where it's it was plenty just a few of time between Empire and Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it's plenty of time to do a lot of backstory stuff before Luke ends up in Dagobah, yeah. right? Yeah. So you get this, you you finally are going to, for the first time, get some kind of backstory on this legendary character who we know so little about. And that's a lot of time. Yoda, when he died, he was over 900 years old. Mm-hmm. But this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be that far back, though, according to, uh, according to the report, uh, that that I read, it's gonna be um, pre Phantom Menace for yeah. sure, but not too far back. Yeah. So we're gonna be we're gonna be looking at it's something the height of the Jedi Order, basically. Yeah. And we're Obi Wan and him still were very well acquainted with one another because yeah. by the time that Phantom Menace starts, like Obi Wan is is basically just become a full fledged Jedi. He right? was he, the Phantom Menace. He was still a Padawan. Oh, that's right. He didn't become. Uh, he wasn't given. Uh, um, the title of uh, uh, Jedi until um, the very end of the film when uh, Gwygon took um, Anakin as his Padawan. Right. And they're not, you know, a, a master's not allowed to have two Padawans. So in taking Anakin on, he had to make uh, Obi-Wan a full-fledged right. Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then by the second one, uh, Obi-Wan is now a master uh, with Anakin as his Padawan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's and right. I'm, I'm a nerd. Christine, you threw this story on the docket, and I'm curious. Um, anything pique your interest about it? Well, um, <clears throat> I was kind of hoping for a little bit further back in Yoda's origin story. I, I, I personally would love to know more about where he came from, you know? Yeah. But I haven't really explored a lot of the massive amounts of books that have been written about Star Wars. Well, a lot of those the are not canon books. now. A lot of those they're have not been canon swept now. away. Yeah. So if you really wanted to stick with it, you know, you you just need to go onto StarWars.com mm-hmm. and figure out actually what is a part of canon. Which honestly, on a side note, I'm really, 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 really fucking sad because they're. I mean, that's like half of what I read when I was growing up was right. all these Star oh, Wars yeah. because they released so many there's like 50 some odd books Fucking prodigious amount of content and yes. never mind all the comics too yes. and yeah and, I mean, and they just... swept most of it away but thankfully the best trilogy the first trilogy that restarted all of that was the um the thrawn trilogy and they're because bringing if you thrawn guys have back. never read that the the thrawn trilogy Mm-mm. the heir to the empire trilogy fuck oh that's me. what kick-started the whole star wars literary revolution in the 90s all of it so it, uh, i think the first book came out and 
1989 or 1990. Something like that. And it was like every two years there was a new one. And I mean, it was Brilliant. Well, and then after after that, it was like every six months. Yeah, it was every there six was months a to a year. There was a new book from some of writers, novelist or other. But the uh, the author of this original trilogy, trilogy is Timothy Zahn, and I mean, he knows how to spin a yarn. He did a beautiful job. So if you get a chance, Viking, please uh, go and read that because that is a part of canon that actually would like officially kind of kick off your reading. And Sweet. they're bringing be. and they're bringing Grand Admiral Thrawn back. Yes. That blue skin into bastard. into the Star Wars into yeah. the new canon, and they're bringing it back in the cartoon right yeah, now. Yeah, in Rebels, right? In Rebels, and we've already seen that with the Star Wars cartoons, they have not with you know coming up with Rogue One. They've brought in Saw Gerrera from Clone Wars, who is a cartoon character. They've brought into the live action cinema, played by Forrest Whitaker. Played by Forrest Whitaker. They're not gonna. They clearly don't have any problems synthesizing the animated worlds and the live action worlds together at this point, which means that there's every likelihood. That at some point down the road, we're going to get a live action movie with Grand Admiral Thrawn. And if we oh. do, I am going to oh. die a little inside because I have been no, wanting you've read that. these, Randall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, you yes. read these. Yes. I have been wanting to see this character brought to the big screen since I was a fucking teenager, dude. Uh-huh. Like, I, oh my God. And to think that we might be within reach of that sometime in my lifetime fills me with fucking nerdy glee. <laughs> I cannot wait to see this become a reality. You know, while we're we're on the topic of um of comics let's talk about some artwork here um a compilation of a uh, compilation of uh, Ralph McQuarren's um original artwork for the Star Wars Macquarie. was uh, Macquarie excuse me Ooh. I put an a and and on there I always do for some reason uh Ralph McQuarrie's uh artwork for the original Star Wars or the Star Wars as it was originally called uh has been released and well, it, 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 it's in two coffee table books weighing in total about 20 pounds. <laughs> Damn. No joke. They're beautiful. The, uh, the main uh, piece of artwork on the first book is the original <laughs> sketch he did of RTD2 and C3PO going through the Jutland Wastes. And uh, I, one of my favorite images here because he, he drew such inspiration from Metropolis for his interpretation of C3PO. Yes, he did. The if, if you if 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 you as a listener have never ever taken the opportunity to take a look at some of this original artwork that this gentleman did, this ridiculously talented gentleman who not only sketched up artwork for the Star Wars, but literally sketched up artwork for all three films, and mm-hmm. then went on later to paint several pieces, several. Um, from Empire and Jedi and A New Hope, uh, some of my favorites, personally, if I may say so, um, dealing with uh, the uh, Millennium Falcon on Bespin when they're uh, when they're fleeing Bespin after Han's already been frozen in carbonite. The um, the exteriors of Bespin, specifically, especially those with the Millennium Falcon on the platform, you know them running along and being uh, pursued by all the stormtroopers. He's got some classic artwork um, of the bounty hunters. I mean. Take a look at this. There's so much talent yeah. here. He was such a, a prodigious artist. He, uh, Ralph McQuarrie is to to Star Wars what the Hildebrand brothers were to Lord of the Rings yes. and to J.R.R. Tolkien's yes. mythos. He is the he is the definitive artist of the Star Wars universe, whose whose creative vision, uh, when teamed up with George Lucas's ability to storytell, are what made 
the Star Wars franchise into the powerhouse phenomenon that it is that it is today. Star Wars would be nothing without Ralph McQuarrie. No. Um as much as it would be nothing without George Lucas. The two the two are are inseparable as a creative pair when it comes to this franchise. So this book is just full of of so many wonderful things like because it, it's got everything from fully painted works to rough production sketches that are scribbled with pages and pages of his notes and Lucas's notes and the production teams and whatnot. And um, just a fascinating, it's just a fascinating deep dive into, into the work of a guy who, who is so iconic, but so virtually unknown outside of, um, you know, like art and nerd spaces really. Right. Um, so this is be, this is like this would be the perfect Christmas gift for the nerd in your life. Um, it, it will comes fit out a at the end of this month. A uh, really big stocking, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it comes out on September twenty seventh. Uh, again, just in time for Christmas, like so many other fun things. Mm-hmm. And uh, add, I didn't add. get a chance to. I didn't see a price anywhere yet, but I'm no, guessing it's, it's probably, not cheap. Yeah, at eight hundred pages in two volumes, it can't be like less no, than. I'm it can't cu- be less than like seventy or eighty bucks. Curious, we have a very talented artist sitting on the panel tonight, and I'm wondering. Really, if, where? Oh, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, if if uh, she has had a chance to look through any of this artwork or is familiar I had, with any of this artwork. I hadn't seen specifically that this book was coming out, but I've seen his stuff before. Okay. What do you think about Ralph McQuarrie's work? Oh, it's great. Dude, that, that era was great for all of the... I mean, honestly, like what, when I wanted to get into art originally, it was because I wanted to do like movie covers and CD covers and like like sci-fi covers and stuff. Like all of that, like the bright colors and the light against the dark and the way they started to frame things and the wonderful landscapes they did. It's great. Um, but then the industry changed and now everything's done on fucking computer. Yeah. <laughs> all that, all that mm-hmm. fantasy art. From it's the still 70s. good, but, but like, but it's iconic and it's yeah. grabbing and there was a, it was a great time for all of so, so you think the magic's kind of been lost a little bit, yeah. a little bit. I don't for know, me, man. Anyway, yeah. if you just—it's all a matter of the stuff that you're looking mm. at. I think too, because I've seen some amazing. The magic has moved. It's 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 mm. much more digital now, which I've never mm. been able to vibe with in the same way. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I I'm in love with the paintings and the puppetry and the like the old schoolness of a lot of that old sci-fi stuff. Well, which gonna, is why I appreciate oh. the those paintings. They're beautiful. They're pieces of artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not a digital file that you can delete or save or edit anytime you want to or it was something that they slaved over right right and once it's once it's done it's done you can't go back and undo things or anything like that like it's really difficult to go back Mm -hmm. and undo afterwards i mean if you think about the the work that went into some of these i mean these great big panoramic shots that they made you know i mean they would paint an entire wall Mm-hmm. On the side of a building. Oh, for like matte, yeah, like matte backgrounds yeah, and matte stuff. Like you don't, you don't that. see it's that ridiculous. anymore. It's funny that you say that. I, I was, I was thought that's what you were talking about. It made me think of like when you watch the movie The Dark Crystal, uh, the oh, Jim Henson masterpiece. Exactly. There are a couple of matte shots that you can tell that they're matte backgrounds when you look at them at this point. But holy fuck, they're just beautiful. Yeah, they are. They're just beautiful pieces of art, and and they're 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 gorgeous to look at. And it doesn't matter that you know that they're fake. They, they created just look these beautiful so set good. pieces and puppets and like yeah, it's like you're it, watching it's a fake, play, but it's beautiful. Yeah, you're just watching a really and well shot and like you yeah. can actually do some other things with it because it's not because it is meant to be stylistic. You're it's just like, watching it's a beautifully shot play. Yeah, yeah, it's it's 
It's gorgeous. All right, one final thing about Star Wars that I want to talk about before we take mm-hmm. a break here. Um, <clears throat> it was just announced today that a third Star Wars story or anthology film has been announced for 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, um, for any of you who aren't in the know, there are um, the the main Star Wars films, you know, that follow uh, numerically. You know, so there's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. If there's ten, I don't know. Right now, it's nine supposedly. So they're working on eight. We just had seven last uh, last winter. Um, and then there are anthology films, which Rogue One is the first of what is supposedly going to be several. Uh, the next after that will be 2019's uh, Han Solo story, also an anthology film. Apparently, after that, in 2020, we're going to get a third anthology film. Uh, and as yet titled, as yet announced, we have no idea what the project is. But, from what I understand, these three anthology films are all supposed to tie together. So Rogue One will tie in with the Han Solo film. The Han Solo film, I'm assuming, will be well before Rogue One. And then the third film, who knows? I mean, the speculation runs the gamut between an Obi-Wan film, a Yoda film, something to do with Boba Fett. So I'm kind of keen to hear, um, because that's all we know. It's just been announced that there's going to be a third one, and they're going to tie together in an anthology trilogy. Maybe we'll know more after we see Rogue One. Perhaps, mm. perhaps. Well, the next one after that, again, is the Han Solo film. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've just locked in the slate. Disney, the House of Mouse, loves to lock in those dates, you know, two, three years before they're actually supposed to come out. So they can start production, pre-production, writing, scouting for directors. So I'm curious, what would you guys like to see for a third possible tie-in anthology film? Well, if you'll recall, um, my memory is really easy these days. So I back, don't know. back before uh, episode seven came out, when Disney was doing all the the big hype stuff to get everybody excited about it, they released a they released a tentative timetable for anthology films, and they talked about not three but five. I don't oh. know if you guys remember this. And there were a couple photos that were floating around that had like working title cards. Uh, there was one for Rogue One, there was one for Han Solo, and there was one for Obi Wan, and it pretty much looked like those were going to be one, two, and three for the anthology movies. And if you think about it in terms of what kind of timeline they're going to be establishing with the first two, based on what we already know about them, it's going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. You know what? I'm, I'm almost thinking certainly about convinced. that right now because they're, it, by the sound of it, they're trying to fill that gap between um, the, the, the uh, um, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And You've got these three timelines that are all kind of going to converge together at once. You've got Rogue One. 30 years. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That they can pour through thirty years. Well, yeah, and think about what they're what they're doing here. I mean, with Rogue One, you've got this you've got this movie that takes place like right before Episode Four, right? So everything's going to be building up to that moment, which then shifts. You know, from there, the focus all shifts to Tatooine, right? So it's like, how does everybody get to Tatooine? So Han Solo in this Han Solo movie is going to probably end up going to Tatooine at the end of the movie because he's already there when Luke starts the story. Oh, that's true. He already got there somehow. We don't know right. how, but he already got there. Ooh, that's a good point there. And Obi-Wan Kenobi's already there. He's going to meet go them. So, timeline, I, so I'm so i thinking there's every likelihood. Well, they might go close enough, right? So he might not already be on Tatooine, but, but at the end like... of the Han Solo movie, he might be on his way there for some reason. Like that might be how they end it, right? And then Obi-Wan's already there. So then we're going to get the, so we're probably going to get the story of how he gets there. I wouldn't be surprised if they do some kind of funky tie-in. This is why I say this is because like they're doing with Rogue One, Han Solo's going to make a cameo in Rogue One, so don't think for a moment that there isn't every likelihood that no, Obi-Wan no, Kenobi would make no. a cameo in Back the Han Solo Backpedal there. Mm. Backpedal a little bit there. It's not confirmed. I thought that it was confirmed. not confirmed. 
First off, the casting of uh, Alden Ehrenreich, he is almost 30. Now, Harrison Ford, when he did Star Wars, was in his early 30s, so that may work. But I kind of think that for this film, they are going to backpedal like a couple of years before Star Wars and maybe I'm pretty scruff sure them up a little this, bit. I don't about this think before. they did. I still think I think that's hearsay. I could be wrong, but I don't think that it was confirmed. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure we. Either talk- way, I like your theory. I think we talked about it, but I don't think it's. I don't know if it's confirmed. Or yeah, not. I don't know, but I can just, but I can see it happening because this is how they're going to be. You know, even even if it isn't fully confirmed, it wouldn't surprise me in this in the slightest bit if he did show up in rogue one because this is the same formula that disney's been trading in with the marvel franchise for the last decade now as far as world building is concerned so it would not surprise me in the least if we got a han solo cameo in rogue one and then be using that same logic we get an obi-wan kenobi cameo in the han solo movie and then we get the obi-wan kenobi movie and that becomes the trilogy that brings everything to a new hope To stay clued into what's happening behind the scenes at Face for Radio, check out our Facebook group, The Island of Misfit Nerds, or follow Echoplex Media on Twitter. While we're on the air, feel free to give us a call anytime at the Echoplex hotline, 408-883-PLEX. That's 408-883-7539. If we don't pick up, leave us a voicemail. The best ones will get played on future broadcasts, if you're lucky. Face for Radio is live every Thursday from 7 to 10 Pacific, only on echoplexmedia.com. Talk to you soon. Do you like the music that you've been hearing on this program? Do you like literal and metaphorical pizza? Then be sure to check out Local Love, live every Tuesday from 9 to midnight Pacific, only at echoplexmedia.com. Local Love is home to the best and brightest independent music from the San Francisco Bay Area underground, along with plenty of ridiculous banter, pizza, and your phone calls. Local Love is live every Tuesday from 9 to midnight Pacific, only at echoplexmedia.com. Tune in. Let's let's steer the ship into a new direction. The apocalypse. The apocalypse. Well, which one? That, that's I always ask when people say, "Oh, it's the apocalypse." I always ask which one. This oh, particular this point, yeah. one is Mad Max. Now they released a um thing out there on the internet that basically shows all of the practical effects used while shooting Mad Max Fury Road and all of the car stunts, all of the explosions, all of that shit was happening on set while they were filming it. It is fucking amazing how they made this movie. And honestly, there was basically no CG in Mad Max. They used a little bit of it to color correct the film and do maybe a few things like the big storm that comes in in the middle of the film. But other than that, all the vehicles were practical, all of the explosions were practical, all the effects were pretty much practical in this film. I remember telling people that when we were going to see the, this movie. I was like, dude, all the special effects are real. There's no CG. And people just kind of were like, oh, yeah, cool. It's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand because people have gotten so used to seeing like big crazy explosions because they're all fake and CGI and people are right. like, yeah, whatever. It's like, no, 
No. Sit here and fucking appreciate this shit because that is badass. That is a person on a stick that is flying through the air on a giant spiky car and they're going like 70, 80 miles an hour. Like that person did that. That oh, is cool incredible. shit. And now he's on fire. And like, legit, there are a few scenes in that film that are actually created in uh, in the computer. One of which being the uh, big sandstorm that they mm-hmm. fly into. Yeah. yeah. The big scape is they're going the, over the the, oh, the plateau. That's all done. A lot of the scenes in the canyons when mm-hmm. they're being chased were on. Uh, they're still like real world sets because they filmed everything in the outback of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they had constructed sets of you know like oh, yeah. a rock wall that they're driving through. But then everything else on the uh, on the foreground there. Was yeah, there's digitized. a couple shots but of that. The, but they're still driving. They're still, still loads hanging of on the real, side of this building. Yes. There's still explosions and rocks flying at them. Like that's just real. Yeah. There's a couple of shots of that in the uh, in this in this uh, video reel of them doing some of the some of the green screen stuff, but um, over an overwhelming percentage of this movie was done with no special effects other than, uh, like the Viking said, some color correction and um, you know and a couple little highlights here and there to uh, give this a little bit more scope. And I fucking love that they put this out. And because it's a huge, it's, it's just a huge middle finger to the, like the Hollywood sci-fi fantasy blockbuster industry to say, you know, you don't need to use a bunch of CGI to create an immersive world and that, that is believable and that will completely just suspend people's disbelief. You don't need it. Like we've gotten so far from that when it comes to these movies, because it's so easy to do so. And it's. Uh, ostensibly a little bit cheaper especially on the kind of scale that they're wanting to make movies now because because now that they've started to do this um and as the movies have gotten bigger it's like in order to keep them on that kind of scale you have to use more cg and not less and since everybody's trying to outpace each other in that you end up with like movies that just look hella fake and these guys are like george miller's like no you don't need it look how awesome my movie was and i didn't use shit point in case the first three Star Wars movies, and then compared to the second set of yeah, Star the, Wars uh, movies. The prequel trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. <laughs> they mm. look like Originals, bad... puppets. We love you. And then you get these huge, scoping, like picturesque, fake, crappy look. You're just, you. I don't believe it. It looks like shit. Looks too clean. Yeah, it, looks it doesn't too look clean, real. Too sharp, and so it doesn't You're look mo- real. I'm honestly a big. I'm not a big fan of CGI because of stuff like that. Because I, it's so much easier for me to suspend disbelief when I'm looking at like the fucking puppets. Something that's actually there. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as it's like that was made by a computer, I'm like, it looks. It's it's like hyper real. Well, I, I mean, it's they're so ultra real. It's it's like weird. <laughs> there could be this possibility that. Since we grew up in an era where we had claymation effects, we had mm-hmm. puppet effects. We, you know, we grew up in the generation of Muppets and Sesame Street and all of that stuff. That maybe we're just more geared towards Probably. seeing that and seeing it as being more realis- realistic than CG. There is quite frankly uh, a lot of children now who don't get to see a lot of that stuff, and when they see CG, but that it looks that, fake. that's more real to them. Yeah. It's it's possible it's and like the that's just how we like, were. That weird. Exactly. That's just how we were that's trained. A puppet. Dude, when I watched Attack of the Clones, that shit looked like a bad fucking PlayStation cutscene. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> 
shit was awful. We can go on and on about the Star Wars prequels and how horrible they are, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Mad Max. On a quick side note with the stop animation stuff, though, that movie Kubo and Two Strings. Oh, God, I haven't seen it yet. Don't ruin shit. Like the company that did that did some. I'm so excited. Does some awesome stop motion shit today, but. Yeah. Like a fucking mad max i'm glad same, that some people are still doing it yeah. yeah same thing like again these both of these companies are like just giving the lie to the fact that you need to use a lot of cgi in order to make a beautiful fucking epic movie that will really take you someplace outside of your own reality but you don't and huh but you don't but they who doesn't what? you don't need a bunch of cg to no you don't no. no no exactly you don't you don't you don't need it you can do it you can do it the old-fashioned way and still make something totally awesome I really hope that uh, George Miller gets to make another Mad Max movie. I know he's gone to try to do one. Well, so we have a couple of, of uh, uh, things to talk about. Other little the Mad Max tidbits. Mad Max things. There's a couple of Mad Max tidbits. Okay, so one of them is that they are going to be releasing um, how George Miller originally wanted Mad Max to be seen in a black and white film. And the original? No, the, no Fury the Fury Road. Fury Road. Oh, okay. He wanted Fury Road to be released in black, black and, white, and white. Warner Brothers wouldn't let him do it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And, so, uh, so cool. <laughs> in December, right in time for Christmas or Yule or whatever the fuck you celebrate, it's going to come out in Blu-ray uh, and uh, and probably on DVD version as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's basically the director's vision. And I think that there's a lot of film nerds out there that are really going to appreciate that. So uh, check it out. It's coming out uh, in December here really soon. The other news that I want to talk about about Mad Max kind of hinging on this, but I didn't put it on the docket, was that I did read an article uh, this week that George Miller is planning another Mad Max movie that is going to be the story of Furiosa. Oh, nice. That's the rumor. Okay. Okay, I'm not surprised about this, no. and, I, and I'll tell you why. Because for a, a film with the man, Mad Max in the title, Tom Holland, uh, Tom, uh, um, Tom Hardy did a brilliant job of breathing life into this character that Mel, Dick, Mel Gibson did a beautiful job of initially. But I'll tell you what, he definitely played a supporting role in his own oh, film. Yeah. Okay, and I love. The idea of having Furiosa as the centerpiece again, mm-hmm. but I certainly want to see more of Tom Hardy's Mad Max. Yeah, I agree. Uh, some of the stuff that I was reading online was talking about how the the films will be sort of like a side by side piece: what's going on in Mad Max world versus what's going on in Furiosa's world. So, um, so that's that's a rumor online, you know. But George Miller is. In the works to make another Mad Max film. I don't doubt it. After, yeah. after, I mean, they spent, um, <clears throat> let me, let me, let me, <clears throat> I think they spent $157 million on this film and worldwide it grossed uh, $1.3 billion. Yeah. Damn. Something like that. Not I to mention they, all the awards that it won. And all yeah. the awards that it won. Yeah, they spent about 150 in production costs. They yeah. spent around 300 total with marketing and everything yes. else. Yes, they did. And it's a, and it's a masterpiece. And in the, mm-hmm. the movie, which, I mean, the studio had a very light hand in, yeah. knocked it out of the park. Yeah. He, um, uh, George Miller, um, the director... If I'm not uh, mistaken, yeah. George Miller, yeah. he had uh, almost sole creative control, 
and almost no oversight from the company. They mm-hmm. gave him a fuck ton of money and said, make whatever you're going to make. And he gave us a grand slam of a film. Yeah. See, that's a perfect example of, of how studio systems work well with directors. If you give your directors complete creative control, nine times out of ten, that film is actually going to be awesome. If it's a good director who knows what the fuck they're doing. Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, thank you. Zack Snyder. <laughs> Zach, oh. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> there are always exceptions. Prominent um, ones, in fact. Indeed. Yeah. So one one time where that was very successful was this. When they made the first Batman movie with Tim Burton, the, oh, studio, yeah. the studio had a chokehold on him, which just made that first Batman film. While we loved it. Oh, it's, I it's really brilliant did. Film. It was not his vision. No. It was not his vision. But the second film, <laughs> they let him have creative control, and that second film was even, even better. better. Even better. It's still yeah. my favorite. They spent more money making it, and they made more money because of it. And so that that's a great example of studios working well with directors. So, I gotta go back and watch that one again. It's been an it a, is my I favorite Batman hands down. It's 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 a regular Christmas movie for oh, me actually. It so. is. Oh, it's, it's such, so maybe it's I'm a like, Christmas maybe film. that's the Christmas movie no. we watch. No, <laughs> no, Dave. We, we have to producer watch Dave a bad will never film. allow it. We're gonna roll on to our our final story uh, here, which which I am actually excited about and and sort of really proud of the studio for allowing this to happen. So uh, uh, Margot uh, Robbie. Margot Robbie. Robbie. Robbie, thank you. Mm -hmm. Is uh, being tapped to actually executive produce uh, DC's Harley Quinn spinoff films. Yes. And Yes, uh, I buy it. Yeah. I absolutely buy it. It looks like Warner Brothers is allowing her production company uh, called Lucky Chap Entertainment uh, to um, start a production deal and and start working on the first film. So they are in the process of writing it, and um, it will focus on the female DC villains or heroines, depending on how you look at it, um, Harley Quinn, and uh, it will also have uh, Batgirl, Poison Ivy, and maybe a few others. Potential right there, and I'm going to tell you what. Potential for the lesbian love between Harley and and Poison Ivy. It's in the comics. Hell yeah. It's, it's in the fucking comics. huge it in the, in the yeah. comics. Poison Ivy actually um, inoculates Harley against all venoms and then uh, boosts her speed, uh, dexterity, um, and, uh, and prowess and like makes her like semi-superhuman. So uh, this is all in the comics, and they have like this really crazy torrid love affair. Oh, it's, and it's then a like Deadshot kind of comes into it, and then he's out, and then he's in, and then he's out, and then he's in. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, it's it's a thing, and I love this. Of all of the things that I hated about Suicide Squad, and there were many, there were a few things that I absolutely adored about Suicide Squad, and number one with a bullet was Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. I loved her iteration of Harley Quinn through and through, tip to toe. I mean, absolutely. Like, I, when she was cast, I knew she was the right choice. Yeah. And her on screen, loved it. The only thing I didn't like is how many times she used puddin'. I yeah. hated it. Like, they beat it to drop, death. Drop mm. me a puddin' bomb. One, give me a fat puddin' bomb at the right moment, and I would have been like, yeah, she fucking said puddin'. <laughs> right. But no, it's like, 
Alright, Putin. Putin this and Putin that and Putin, Putin, Putin I can't. But Putin, 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 Putin I can't. Uh, hey, Putin. I mean, like, she said it like six times in the film and like twice within 30 seconds. Way more, yeah. I was really annoyed but with when that. When she does her own Harley Quinn movie, I can all but guarantee that will not happen. No, it probably Hopefully. won't, especially because I doubt will not. that Joker will be in there. But then that leaves all kinds of other shit up in the air about Jared Leto coming in or if I, they're going to bring somebody else I in. I don't know. See... But let's steer back on to the Harley Quinn thing because okay. that's all kinds of speculation and conjecture and we don't have time for that. Well, in in this case, I, I have a, a, an important question to ask yes. the panel. Yes. Who do you want to play Poison Ivy? <gasps> oh. <laughs> that's a good question. He's ready. No, I'm not oh, ready no. because I hadn't oh. thought about that. But that's Fuck, a great I'm, question. Wow, I'm right? Putting, okay. I'm putting you on the fucking spot, Harrison. <sighs> All right. Well, no, we can't have Uma Thurman do it. She's already done no, it. No, thank you very much. I was about to say something about Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm, she took the words no. out of my mouth. First off, first first major stipulation, she has to be a natural redhead. Because Poison Ivy's a natural redhead. Yeah. Okay. Um, second off. Mm, that's good. That's good. That's Domino tough. Domino Gleason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. We get Domino Gleason and his Poison Ivy. Oh, that would be I like rich. It. Hey, they're gender bending every other comic book oh, no, character not, at this man. point. Like, why not do it the other way around? Uh, when do we get like, yeah, like when do we get lady DC characters turned into dudes? They're turning no, all of these no. like they're turning all of these dude comic book characters into ladies. Like, when do we get to see like the full gender well, no, swap? No, 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 no. Because that, I just gotta that's wonder. The, that's the thing because there aren't enough female uh, characters, be it villain or hero in the DC universe or the Marvel universe so that's why they're switching the roles oh the no genders. totally I just literally want one or two just for no, fun no, no. just for funsies you know that's a really good question um, and I'm like literally trying to rack my brain I, honestly I would like somebody who is kind of unknown I'd like to, to bring in a fresh face I mean who knew who the fuck Margot Robbie was two years ago I mean before Wolf of Wall Street nobody knew who the fuck she was I knew who she was because I follow all kinds of obscure shit, and I know that she's from Australia, and she'd done two other films before she was cast in Wolf of Wall Street, one of which being About Time, which also has Domino Gleason in it, funny enough. Um, but if you guys haven't seen that, About Time, Rachel McAdams, Domino Gleason, Margot yeah. Robbie's in it. It's beautiful. Um, just a quick, 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 quick. It's about a, a guy on his 21st birthday finds out that uh, the men in the family can um, control time oh, yeah. by going into a closet. That. Brilliant film. I yeah. Such a good film. Put that in the thing. I I'll put uh, no. It's it's on my. It's on. Yeah, I will. It's done. It's already done. I'll make sure you need to see it. But she plays a small supporting uh, piece in it. But I I this the movie came out probably six months before Wolf of Wall Street, and I was like, duh, <laughs> uh, duh. Gorgeous, absolutely fantastic. She so, plays a British chick in it, but yes, uh, no I, picks. I, you know what? I'm like head. I'm literally. You know what? You know the only person I can think of who would actually fit the bill. Um, Santa. <laughs> You're just saying that because she's a redhead. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. That's yes. all. And I would love to see her in no, like she, green leotard. No, but she's horrible. She would be horrible in that role. Maybe. I, I think don't know. no. She so, would. No, Sophie yeah. Turner. She's Sophie Turner. Not she's play not. Poison Ivy. Sophie no. Turner could not play Poison she's, Ivy. Yeah. She could barely play Jean Grey. <laughs> okay. She's, she's a competent actress. She's a great actress. I love her as Sansa Stark, but she's okay. I I was thoroughly eh. unimpressed with her performance in X Men Apocalypse. Like, All right. Well, what's your pick then? I've been unimpressed with her as Sansa until very recently. Oh, so yeah. honestly, you know, going back and watching the show a second time, I, I like her better. What's but your pick for for fucking poison? Shit, dude. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm with you. I think like whoever is going to play this character. And whoever's going to play any of these other characters that they want to bring in, like Batgirl, 
unknowns. They need some unknowns. We need some fresh faces to to play these people. Like DC's been plucking some folks out of obscurity and um and 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 uh really bringing them to the to the forefront. Um and I think they need to continue that trend. Sarah with Winter. some of these characters. I honestly have no clue. No idea. No idea. All right, uh Lady Viking. Well, I I know who I would like to see as Poison Ivy, especially if there is a lesbian relationship with Harley Quinn, and mm. that's Christina Hendricks. Too busty. Nope. Too busty. Too busty. Fine with me. Sorry. Fine with me. The woman's got like double Fs. Yeah, no, she does. I think she's too ridiculous. And, and not to not to be ageist, but I think she's, she's a little too old. too old to play the role she's too at old. this point. Like, we, like because if you're gonna pair somebody somebody off like that. With in that have that kind of relationship, you do with, need an older female. But she there with she be less do. than like like needs to be like two to three years. But I mean, Poison she, Ivy is supposed to be sultry, yeah. and she's got that. She could do it. All oh, right, I, I don't. I'm not that. saying she couldn't. I'm just saying that the the studio wouldn't cast her for it. I think she's kind of like she's kind of had her time in You're Hollywood a little bit too. Right. I'm just telling she's, you guys who I would like to see play Poison <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. We're not making real you know predictions what? here. I'm really, I'm, I'm keen to see this uh, pick up steam. I, I would love to see a very female centric, um, DC film. I would very much like to see it. I mean, honestly, anything with Margot Robbie in, in the guise of, of Harlequin, I'm, I buy absolutely. I'm all about it. It right. sounds like so much fun. I love hearing that they're entertaining this seriously too, because one place where Marvel. Uh, has really fallen short and where Disney has really fallen short with both Marvel and with Star Wars is in their promotion and of like female lead characters. Marvel in particular. well aware of this. Yeah, Marvel in particular has fallen very short with that for as long as they've been doing this. And uh, if DC, if DC can get a leg up on this, I think it will go a long way towards the public forgiving them for the steaming piles of doo-doo that were Dawn of Justice. Yeah, that's only if they blacklist Zack Snyder (laughs) after Justice League falls on his face. been voted off the island. (laughs) Yeah, basically. I'm I'm really hoping that after after Dawn of Justice, they gave that guy like 40 solid lashes against a fucking pole. No, they didn't. They said, here, go ahead and make Justice League because that's what he's doing next. Yep, pretty much. Part one. You know, I don't think that they had anybody else in the bag for that, so maybe they no, just kind of went with what no, they had. They still have faith in Zack Snyder, and uh, mm. nobody else does. So I don't know. They're going to have to learn a really hard lesson here with him, and I certainly hope they don't try to tap him to direct this because it will just be shit. Yeah, I agree. Help support all the great work we're doing at Echoplex Media by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash echoplex for other ways to support us please visit the support tab at echoplexmedia.com leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or share your favorite Echoplex Media shows on Facebook and Twitter fuck you very much for your support chemtrails got you down lately too many transgenders in your soup If you've got a funny bone to pick with the status quo, then don't miss The Plex. Live every Sunday from 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific, only at echoplexmedia.com. Join producer Dave and company as they skewer everything from conspiracy theories to religious whack jobs and everything in between, literally. Nothing is sacred and no one is 
Fan. The Plex is live every Sunday from 6 to 9 Pacific, only at echoplexmedia.com. Don't miss out and don't forget your tinfoil hat. And it is time to get to the super geek section of our document with a little bit of the smarty pants shit with a little bit of tech and a little bit of science brought to you by yours truly. Uh, First up on our tech docket, I got a little thing here about the cartridge games that we knew and loved when we were all kids, at (gasps) least uh, the four of us sitting at this table. (laughs) Yeah, the shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the shit that you the shit that you blew on when it didn't work because you thought that was gonna like make it work. Cause, hey, it did. Cause it they, did oh, it totally, totally work. Oh, eight times out of ten, it totally worked. Yeah, that was fan. It was fantastic. This like it had like a it had at least like a seventy two percent success rate. It's fucking. Fantastic. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, go to bed. Don't you have school tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> the lights are on. Get your ass home. <laughs> but don't you hear your mom whistling? I got for that. That was fucking brilliant. <laughs> so there was um, an article that came out on IO9 talking about these classic, uh, these classic consoles and the cartridges that we used to use to play video games back in the day. And on the home console systems and how there's a lot more to these things that meets the eye, right? Basically, every one of these every one of these cartridges for things like the Super Nintendo and for the Ape and Nintendo system and so on and so forth were basically just like a PC board wrapped in plastic that you stip- let you slipped into a into a slot that would read it, right? Now this basic formula is what you're using to get all of your games for at least the first six or seven years of home gaming right now what they realize is at a certain point now is with the consoles themselves because they're uh like a single you know retail piece of equipment that's essentially that's essentially like consumer disposable they're not meant to be upgraded right so it's not like a regular computer it's not like a pc or a mac you know that you can like crack open the hood and you can and you can soup it up and you can swap parts and things like that these are not meant for that these are like general cheap consumer market but they have to push the games to get better and smarter and faster because that's what the public is demanding, right? So what they end up doing is taking these cartridges, which again are basically just a PC board wrapped in plastic, and start putting hardware on these boards to soup the games up and writing coding that would fuck with the language of the console itself to give you extra horsepower. And that's how, for a long time, they were able to push the envelope with a lot of these games, basically. Like, the games were only able to see a limited amount of, a limited amount of RAM uh, to be able to actually play a title. But, um, you know, with some software-side trickery, they allowed the carts to pack in a lot more than the maximum amount of data and tell the processor what to look at. They could like, fool it and stuff. Now, initially, Atari tried this with, like, a second slot. So you had, like, two cartridges that you used at once, but nobody, nobody was into that. But then Nintendo did it, and where they really started doing it was with games like the Super Mario RPG which they did with SquareSoft. I don't know if you guys if you guys remember that Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Um this was a huge title like at the time they they really pushed a lot of crazy uh like graphics and a big big story and whatnot. Um but then in addition to that the one that I think they they got the most recognition for this well not so much for this for but was Star Fox. Um there was no way that Star Fox was going to be able to be made and do the kind of graphic stuff that it did without using this kind of technology. Um, but this allowed the industry to move far enough that they were able to start to transition to different, more sophisticated mediums to catch up with the PC industry. So you start to see, at this point, if Nintendo doesn't do this, 
then PlayStation doesn't exist, basically, right? Because they're like, oh, well, we can make this on a fucking CD and put tons of shit on here and then make all these other games and then you you do this, like, you know, then you have <clears throat> a whole new generation of consoles that come out and then these things keep moving forward from there. Um, the coolest part about this, though, is that these... The, the cartridge thing is looking like it might make a comeback. Um, a lot of this stuff nowadays with consoles is, is, done through, uh, is done through the cloud, right? So people, you know, so games like when you, when you see games like Call of Duty, you know, these massive worlds that everybody plays in that are super detailed and beautiful and move incredibly fast and everything, you're actually locking into somebody's server and your, your but the PlayStation. server runs the game. Yeah, the server's running the game. The PlayStation, your your PlayStation or your Xbox or whatever is basically just a gateway portal that's running a lot of the basic, you know, engine and carrying a bulk of the interface horsepower while, like, the world that you're playing in is something that's generated on a bank of computers somewhere in, like, fucking, I don't know, Korea. What a fucking great time <laughs> to be alive. <laughs> Seriously. So many of these little tiny mobile games that we all play on our phones do the same shit, too. Like, I'm playing Final Fantasy Record Keeper, which, like... Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah what are you playing right now on your phone simpsons Harrison? tapped out <laughs> nerd <laughs> hey my town is epic right now okay you showed me it was pretty yes, cool i know i showed you my town what's the viking <laughs> playing right i know now. we're friends jurassic park builder <laughs> that's awesome i love that game oh no that your so choices you're, you're like hatching dinosaurs and shit yeah. you know what i love is you know what I love is that your mobile game video cho- video your mobile video game it choices says so much about say you. Say so much about you as a person. <laughs> Wait, Sarah. Oh, what are you playing? Make me sad. Yeah, I you? am. Oh, what are you yeah. playing, Sarah? Coco Pop Play. What? <laughs> oh my god, it's super Japanese and cute. <laughs> it's so adorable. <laughs> It's so fucking cute and it is, spooky. Can, can you describe it just for a quick second? Uh, what do you do in the game, Sarah? You dress up your cute little anime characters in uh, costumes that you win through, uh, you know, you cheer for other people's shows and you get points and, and then they have like special events. Right now they're doing like this creepy horror thing. <laughs> so it's like all these like cute bubblegum, like zombie stuffed animals and like it's so great. You and, can get cute and you bubbly win stages eyes. Too. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of it's, ridiculous. It's so ridiculous and cute and Coco Poplé. I'll show you later. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's, it's 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 weird spelling, but apparently it's um, it's super. Weird. It's so it's Japanese. Fun. It's so goofy and ridiculous. Oh, it and sounds delightful. Uber cute with its big shiny eyes and shit. Like but yes, oh. and the little teardrop coming down. Okay, so some James Bond type shit just came out. Oh yeah. What? A uh, a weaponized USB thumb drive oh, for the win. Yeah. For the win. Yeah, weaponized for the U- fucking win. They should just call this USB kill <laughs> USB kill two FTW like this thing is fucking okay so it's a little USB stick that started out as a proof of concept experiment that some researchers did just to see if they could fucking basically if they could yeah proof of concept as a proof of concept concept experiments basically means let's see if I can make this shit happen because why the fuck not yes right so they wanted to see if you know so these researchers just wanted to see if they could make a USB drive that they could use as a weapon to destroy an electronic device. <laughs> and they they did. They were successful in creating it. And I now and now a company in Hong Kong, thinking this is a fantastic idea, it decided is. to mass market the thing. And you can buy it for about $60 online. 50. 55. 
going down every day. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fucking $55 at USBKill.com. Next year you can get them at Best Buy. <laughs> it's, I, I love the simplicity of the device. You just plug a, a USB uh, thumb drive into your computer and it just nukes it. It just freezes Oof. it. Just boom. Well, it not stops. your computer. There's, there's nothing crazy that really happens. There's no like, like pomp and circumstance. Done. It just stops working. Uh, causes a, what it does is it delivers a massive power surge to <laughs> any electronic device that will just fry it immediately. And now when this happens, though, like you said, is it's completely innocuous and it happens in seconds. There's a there's a demo. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yep. One of the best parts about this thing is like Chip was saying, like, this is some straight up spy shit. I fucking love it. Um, The dun, dun, dun. this thing is going to fry anything that's unprotected when you plug it in. <clears throat> and the thing that's fucking scary is that, like, everything is unprotected. Yeah. Pretty much anything that you it's can like plug going a to USB. A brothel and drunk without condoms. <laughs> like just... Everything is unprotected. Unless everything there's is a way to ground your devices, but maybe that won't even. I think that's the name uh, of our episode. Do this. <laughs> everything is unprotected. <laughs> everything is unprotected. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's it's like sex in college. But it literally, when you think about. Damn it, you went there. Dangerous. It's so true, though. No, it is. It is, totally. Yeah, you can plug this fucking USB port into just about anything these days. And there are USB ports when you think about it. All you USB need is the USB ports tip. are everywhere. And all you need is just the fucking tip. And all you need is a second. Ten minutes, maybe even seven. Congratulations. You have internet. Glass of herb blades. Yeah. <laughs> the internet equivalent of herpes. Internet HPV. <laughs> you can just like... You can plug the shit into like somebody's TV. Ooh. So after you that. use this USB device, your shit's like not recoverable. It's just done. No, it's done. It's, it's a, done. It's a, it's it's a done. power. It's a, it's a power surge that if fries the board. It's a power surge. Yeah, you know, the whole it. the whole thing is you know, done. Does it fry I have the hard drive too? Here. I have a really good question here. Is this reusable or is it just like a one-off? That you know that they didn't Ooh. specify, but I'm willing to believe that. I'm assuming that it's a it's one-off. It's probably a one-off. Okay. Um, yeah. It's it's probably because it probably that was does actually Chip's question. He oh, just, was it? He just, yeah. Like emergency self-destruct. He just oh, did yeah. the thing. He's like, is this reusable? <laughs> yeah, but does it does it fry your hard drive too? Yeah, yeah it fries everything. Oh, it, yeah. it nukes the entire system. So no memory, no data is collectible yeah. off the hard the, drive. Yeah, exactly. The only the only device that's protected right now from this thing is the latest model MacBook. Dude, Shit. and oh. that's only coincidentally. Like it's not like like when Trust Apple no one. when Apple designed the latest model MacBook, it's not like they knew this thing was coming. That's just how they design their their surge protection. They game just design their point. surge protection. Yeah, their surge protection game is on point, and so this thing can't fuck with the late model MacBooks. But anything else is up for grabs. And given how cheap this thing is, like, uh, yeah, oh, no, no, people are gonna just carry these things around. And be like, for I fun. don't like you. Boop. It's Sabotage. Just, <laughs> hide your PC. Hide your wife. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I'm gonna stick it to your PC, and then I'm gonna shag your wife. Because they're crashing everybody out here. <laughs> Oh me! Oh my. Okay, so the last thing I want to, the last thing I want to talk about here is this incredible artistic device that, um, when one of the first people that I thought of when I saw this thing was um, the Sarah Monster was Face for Radio's own the Sarah Monster. What? It's a little device called the Slate. It's developed uh, by yes. a company called ISKN. Yeah, I'm 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 happy to see that you're familiar with mm-hmm. this. Speaking of uh, some of the conversations we had earlier about uh, about drawing and illustration as a medium, and people who um, you know enjoy the classics in I terms do. of in terms I of do. implements, 
Uh, this device allows you to draw with real pencils on real paper using the slate, using the and and your creations uh, will instantly uh, come alive on your computer screen or on your tablet or your mobile device. Uh, basically, the way that it works is you have a pad that you attach your paper to that has 32 different sensors on it that are tracking the position of your pencil in three different dimensions via the use of a magnetic ring that you slide around the pencil. It communicates all this information instantan uh, instantaneously and the tablet picks up all of the pressure it does and look everything. really cool. And is immediately translating it onto your, your computer screen in up. real time. This it's device. One. Oh shit! That's right. This device is only one hundred seventy dollars. Yes, that's it's available. Not, that's it's nothing, man. I know. I can make that in a night. It's available for pre-order right Fine, now. Fine, rub it in. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm just saying that, like, you might actually get this as a gift. <laughs> no, Harrison's strategizing your your birthday right now. Absolutely, just let him do it. I'm about to be thirty, people. It's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> then we definitely need to get you something proper. So, fans, patreoncom forward slash Echoplex, <laughs> please help fundraise <laughs> a slate for the Sarah Monster so she can draw us a right and proper fucking face for Radio oh, Logo. There oh, you go. Uh, which I I'm, will be speaking to you about further at some point in the near future and to any of our listeners out there if you're interested in creating us a logo please give us a shout echoplexpod at gmail.com reach out to us on the facebook page island of misfit nerds on facebook uh echoplex media on twitter etc etc face radio needs a logo and we'd love to have one that was submitted by one of our lovely lovely users and tribes people yes, yes. hey you so know help us out. Don't, don't feel bad i was 37 years ago what was 37? Right. He was, was 37 30 years, years ago. ago. <laughs> yeah. In a row? I was 37 <laughs> years ago. What? Yeah. Hey, in a row? <laughs> but yeah, this thing is this thing is fucking incredible and again, it's only 100 It looks so cool. It yeah. really does. Yeah, would you would you use this thing? Yeah, of course oh, you would yeah. use this thing. Well, I mean like I've definitely used a tablet to draw before and there's something different about when you're drawing on a tablet and and I've yet to use this, so I don't know how how well it's going to pick up the because, you know, drawing with a tablet has come a long way where you it's like it's hard to register how hard you're pressing and all this other stuff, which is really cool. I'm interested to see how they'll do that when you're actually drawing with a pencil on a piece of paper. And because you said it's it's a 3D. It's not just the 2D. It's just not just the flat space. I'm touching. I'm not. It's a 3D space. So let's see how sensitive it is. Right. I'm really intrigued. Yeah, because it's I, doing I things like it. it's yeah. doing things like picking up the angle that your pencil's at. Yeah. <clears throat> and stuff like that too with the with Thinner, this 3D fatter, positioning. Lighter, harder, darker, mm -hmm. softer. There's there's a lot of real of finesse that goes into drawing that if they can I just catch, saw catch. porno with that title. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 well, here's here's the thing. I mean, looking at the looking at the demos that they have on their website, which we'll put a link to in the show notes, they certainly are making it look easy enough. It looks like through the app they're syncing it, and it looks like through the app they're syncing it up with something like Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator, or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, yeah. The app works for Android, iOS, Windows, and uh, and OS X, of course. Uh, no Linux alternative yet, but I'm sure somebody will hack that shit soon enough. Once it hits the market, I remember when when shit like that did half of that stuff was twice that much. Like it's gotten so much better and so much cheaper in the last five years. It's great. Yeah, which is why still... part of me is always a little like anytime they come up with something new like this, 
uh, part of me thinks like I'm gonna wait until the second or third iteration comes out, and then maybe I'll hop yep. on the bandwagon. Right, they'll be like they'll get the kinks out. Mm-hmm. But like they've well, come that's so far at. so quickly. But but they're always inventing new things. Mm-hmm. Like this new thing. Like okay, we're gonna give you an actual pencil, an actual piece of paper, and we're gonna hook it up, and it's gonna just put it right into the computer. Mm-hmm. That's new. We'll see how it does. Right. But I. It is really cool, I gotta say. For as mm-hmm. much as I give shit to all of the like, I miss pencil and paper and paintings and puppets and I don't understand the scary computer shit. Like at the same time, it's a wonderful frontier. Yeah. It really is. Well, as, like as they're making all these new technological advances advances, it's getting great. It's really beautiful and I'm excited to see it. Um with that we have reached the end of our program. I gotta put my shoes on. Go and get train. Sarah Monster is about to turn into a pumpkin. Mm, yep. <laughs> yep. It happens. So uh, we gotta let we gotta let her do it's that. So fucking true. <laughs> so say goodbye, baby. Goodbye, baby. Oh, I love that shit. Uh, we would like to bid you all a fond, <laughs> a fond and rip roaring farewell uh, mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. this program. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, we are Face for Radio. You can find us on Facebook at the Facebook group, The Island of Misfit Nerds, uh, and at EchoplexMedia.com. Yes. Please uh, rate us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Google Play Podcasts if you're one of the four people in the world that's using that program right now. I might be number five joining you shortly because Stitcher is kind of giving me a little ish, but that's neither here nor there. But please rate our show, and thank you so much for doing that. Uh, reach out to us at echoplexpod at gmail.com if you'd like to um, you know, send us some hate mail or some love mail or whatever note. the fuck you got. The next show that we have is October the 6th. Yes, it is. We will be doing uh, two very important things with that show. Uh, October the 6th is our first weekly show. So we will be going weekly first Thursday of October. And then also we will be broadcasting at 7 instead of 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time from then on. So starting October 6th, we have a weekly show going on and we are two hours earlier. October the 6th, save the date. Face Radio goes weekly and two hours earlier. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. So make sure you pay attention to that shit. <laughs> <laughs>